Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks for Tuesday, January 7th, 2020. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks so much for tuning in to Locked On Blackhawks. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Talk Back Tuesday, where I answer your Blackhawks and NHL related questions. And I got a bunch, not as many as usual, but I got a lot to answer, a couple things to get to before we begin the uh, official proceedings of Talkback Tuesday anyway. So first, want to tell you how to get in touch for next Talkback Tuesday and in between. Email LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 708-653-0572. You can also record a voice memo and email me that memo from your phone. That again, LockedOnBlackHawks at gmail.com. Make sure you follow my personal account at jayzawaski670 and my other hockey podcast the madhouse chicago hockey podcast at madhouse pod i know we're overdue for a madhouse podcast gonna try to get one out on wednesday i mentioned on monday's podcast that my dad's been in the hospital uh a lot of people reached out a lot of people sent emails and tweets wishing me and my dad more importantly well thank you so much for that it means a lot he's doing a lot better And I think he'll probably get released on Wednesday. Uh, Once we sort of clear these hurdles, I'll fill you in on the story. It's quite bizarre, but he's doing a hell of a lot better. So thanks for all the uh, positive vibes and the positive messages. Uh, It means a lot coming from people who don't really know me all that well, aside from my hockey podcast, uh, that you took the time to say something to mention you're thinking about me or my dad. Uh, So thank you very much for that. Very much appreciate it. Before we get into the podcast uh the uh to talk back tuesday portion of the podcast rather some news from monday the nashville predators have fired their head coach peter laviolette you may remember him as the losing coach of the philadelphia flyers when the blackhawks won the stanley cup in 2010 a guy with a lot of respect a guy with a lot of credibility a guy who's won a lot in the national hockey league and naturally as soon as that happened got a lot of questions about would the Blackhawks be interested in Peter Laviolette. First thing I'm going to tell you, Thursday, the Blackhawks play the Predators. That show, I'm going to interview the host of Lockdown Predators and get a scouting report on Laviolette, what went wrong, what went right when he was there. Uh, It's going to be really, really good. Robbie Stanley is the host. He does a great job. So he's going to be on Lockdown Blackhawks on Thursday with a more in-depth picture of Laviolette and if he is someone the Hawks should be pursuing. If you did not catch that news on Monday, they announced a firing, but the Predators have not announced who they're hiring to replace him. They haven't named an interim or anything, so it's sort of remaining up in the air. Now, by the time this posts, we may have news. By the time Tuesday morning rolls around, it may have been announced. I'm recording this at 8.30 p.m. on Monday night. So between now and then, maybe some news will drop. But as of this moment, we don't know who the next coach of the Nashville Predators is. And part of me thinks that because there's been no announcement, maybe it's Mike Babcock. I don't know. I don't know. It's usually when these things are done, the new or interim coach is named right away. I'm sure the Predators players know who the coach is. I'm sure they're going to find out soon. But I just thought it was sort of an interesting uh, way to do it, an interesting way to announce they had fired their coach. So 
should the Blackhawks take a look at Peter Laviolette? Well, I think yes. And I don't know if he's an ideal coach for the Blackhawks, but if we're talking about the things that we don't like about Jeremy Cowan or the things we think we don't like about Jeremy Cowan is doesn't have a lot of respect of the room, right? Um, at least it seems that way. Maybe it's gotten better as the Hawks have played a little better. But that was part of the complaint, and things were not great early this season, not only with the results of the games, but with the communication with the players. Um, we all remember early November, the Hawks told Cowton, change or else. So the fact that a veteran coach with skins on the wall has become available as a head coach, I think warrants some investigation. Why not make a phone call? Why not do some research? I'm sure there are people in the organization who have worked for or with Peter Laviolette in the past. I'm sure there's players that have experience with him one way or another. They can do their due diligence without rocking the boat too much, without too much news getting out. And maybe he's not the right guy. And maybe they feel like, you know what, let's ride this thing out with Cowton. And if we don't like it, we can just totally clean house this summer. Going to get that to get to that sort of a situation when we get into the Talk Back Tuesday portion of the show. But as this news happened, went on Twitter, it was just sort of checking the pulse of Predators fans. Like, why were they unhappy with LaViolette? A lot of it is, obviously, the Predators have underachieved this season. They're currently out of a playoff spot. Um, so that that's a team with really high expectations, with a high payroll, with some high-profile players and they're only a point better than the Blackhawks. Now, again, they've played two fewer games than the Hawks, but they're 19-15-7, and 7, 45 points. They're a plus five in goal differential. I think everybody had higher expectations for the Nashville Predators this season, and uh, they just have not been met. So that's probably the main thing is underperformance. That's why, you know, no, one, no coach gets fired because their team's playing awesome. The other thing is there's been some lack of discipline. That's kind of been an issue for the Predators. Some inconsistency, some sloppy play. Um, so these are sort of the recurring themes I've seen when it comes to Peter Laviolette. And, I mean, I think when things start going poorly, any coach has a shelf life, right? Joel Quenville had a shelf life, for God's sakes. May, these are the sort of things that start to happen when a team is sort of tuned out a coach. And I don't think Laviolette has been there long enough for that to really happen. So that's a bit of a red flag for me. But look, I think any coach with experience is worth taking a look at and investigating. I'm not saying the Hawks need to immediately fire Jeremy Colleton. But, you know, take a look, sniff around, see what he thinks. You can do these sort of things through back channels. LaViolette spent six years with Nashville, 248, 143, and 60. That's a 616 winning percentage. That's really, really solid. 525 in the playoffs. He's a good coach. He's a proven coach. He's never had a sub-500 season in the National Hockey League. Um, so this is a guy who knows what he's doing. He's a good quality head coach. And I, I'm sorry, he's had sub-500 seasons, but not sub-500 runs with teams. Every team he's coached has been over 500 during his tenure. That's what I meant to say. So take a look at Peter Laviolette. Why not?
why not pick some brains, talk to some people around the league, and if you think it might be worth a discussion, try to bring him in under the dark of night. Because it feels like that's what the Predators have done with whoever their mystery coach might be. It is Talk Back Tuesday here on Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Remember, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, voicemail 708-653-0572, email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com, and my personal Twitter account at jayzawaski670. We are going to start this show with a tweet. Daniel says, thoughts on a sod for Galchenyuk trade rumor I've heard around I get mixed feelings, but intriguing proposal because it frees up cap space after this season. Now, this is the part, the time of year when we're going to start to hear all kinds of trade rumors, all kinds of things, all kinds of whispers. And um, I have not seen this Galchenyuk trade rumor. And I just want to warn everybody. There are websites that are literally complete BS. (laughs) I'm not going to name them by name. But, um, you know, there are some some websites that make their money s- selling false rumors. Just consider the source. That's what I'll say. Consider the source. But let's give this uh, Alex Galchenyuk example uh, a look. He is signed through the season at $4.9 million. That's $1.1 million less than Brandon Saad. He will be an unrestricted free agent after this year. He has, with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 33 games, has four goals and 10 assists for 14 points. So not great. Not a great year for uh, Alex Galchenyuk in Pittsburgh. But if you're looking to move salary and you're looking to maybe sort of stay in things while, you know, you try to maybe, maybe try to get a playoff run, that's a move you can make. It's a 25-year-old winger. He could play all three forward positions. And maybe has some offensive upside. Maybe could benefit from a change of scenery. I would take a stab at that trade. And if it doesn't work out, you just let him walk. And you free up that money. And you clear yourself of Brandon Saad for next year, who signed at $6 million. There is some cap space if you want to give it to Dylan Strom or to Robin Leonard or whoever. Not a terrible idea by any means. I don't know if it makes the Blackhawks better in the short term. But realistically... That's probably not how the Hawks should be thinking. Does Pittsburgh want to make that trade? Is Brandon Saad a better player than Alex than Alex Galchenyuk right now? Yeah, I'd probably say so. I would say so. Especially the fact that he can play power play, penalty kill. He's a valuable player, Brandon Saad. So, yeah, I think that makes some sense. If Pittsburgh's looking to upgrade or just give Galchenyuk a change of scenery, then that is something I would explore. I don't know if it's going to happen. I've not heard that name specifically. But that was a question I was asked, so I'm going to answer it. Sure, go for it. Alex Gotenyuk, I'm on board. Let's go next to the voicemails. Hey, Jay, this is Caleb from Chicago. I just wanted to say that I love both your shows. Um, As someone who's never played hockey and just recently started watching, you've helped me learn a lot about the game, so thanks. Uh, I just have a few thoughts about the Hawks' forwards. It seemed like in the Vancouver game especially, the forwards were doing a great job of forechecking, bat-checking, getting in passing lanes, breaking up plays. Um, and I thought that took a lot of pressure off the D and the goalie. And despite the loss, it seemed like the Hawks just played like a more complete game. 
Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how the forwards being more active on defense can help the team be more successful and why the defensive effort of the forwards of recently has been inconsistent. Caleb, thanks for the great question and the compliments. I will always leave those in because I like compliments. I like people to think I'm cool. I'm not. I promise you I'm not. But thank you, Caleb. Uh, that's a good observation. And if you are uh, new to hockey like you say you are, that's a very astute observation. And this is sort of what I was talking about with the Hawks changing their level of commitment based on opponent. We saw them early in the game on Sunday against Detroit not play as committed defensively, sloppy with the puck, those sort of things. That's the sign of an inconsistent or bad team, a team that can't do that every night. That's a problem. And what frustrates me about it with the Blackhawks is when they're playing a better quality team like the Vancouver Canucks, like the St. Louis Blues, like the Colorado Avalanche, like some of the good teams they've beaten recently, they do that. They play that style. They commit to the back check. They commit to puck support. When they don't, they're a bad team. When they do, they're an average team that can hang in and maybe win some games on the back of their star players who still have a lot left in the tank and on the back of their goalies who are both playing very, very well. If the compete level's there, they can hang with every team in the league. Now, when the playoffs roll around, they're not going to be able to hang for seven games on effort alone. They don't have the talent to hang with Stanley Cup caliber teams. But they do, on a night-to-night basis, have the ability to hang in every game they play. And they should be able to if they play the way they play, like you mentioned, against Vancouver and against better teams, against subpar teams like Detroit and like Ottawa and Anaheim coming up, where they should have a dominant stretch or a dominant game where they win in a blowout. Those have been few and far between this season. I'd like to see the Hawks show more consistency in a lot of fields, but to me, when you see them looking good and you see them looking bad, a lot of it has to do with the commitment to playing in the defensive zone from the forwards and the intensity and focus on making the right play and the crisp play out of the defensive zone. That was what Joel Quenville's entire thing was based on, was crisp puck movement from defense to offense. That transition game, those long stretch passes are what drove the Hawks. Yes, they had a ton of really strong offensive forwards, but all those guys, with the exception of Patrick Kane, were willing and able defenders. Think about Marion Hosa. Think about Jonathan Taves in her prime. Those guys would help the defense. And the defensive zone then head out. Then they had guys like Keith, Oduya, Campbell, Jalmerson, that can make Nick Letty, that can make long, accurate passes to begin the transition the other way. That's why the Hawks won so many Stanley Cups because they had a ton of talent. They were four lines deep and three pairs deep. And they had guys that can move the puck and were willing to defend forwards that were willing to come back and help the defense. Good question. Next one comes from Darla. She says, this past Tuesday, when the Hawks played the Flames, it appeared that Milan Lucic made repeated attempts to rattle Connor Murphy. While I'm not a fan of fighting, it seemed like there was no one willing to address Lucic's efforts, and he likely knew it. My question is, in that scenario, might it be better if teams did carry a player on the roster that could respond if need be in order to keep a player like Lucic at bay. The Hawks beat the Flames on the scoreboard, so it all worked out. This coming Tuesday, when they meet again, what should the game plan be 
regarding Lucic? Darla, good question. Um, Dennis Gilbert's on this team, and Dennis Gilbert is not on the Blackhawks for his offensive prowess or really for his defensive prowess. He's a physical defenseman. He's a guy who is willing to drop the gloves when it's, air quotes, called for. And I was surprised, and I'm glad you mentioned it, Darla, that a guy who's been doing that all year in good times and in bad failed to do it against Milan Lucic. That's interesting. I mentioned on yesterday's Lockdown Blackhawks podcast how I was watching the Bob Probert documentary on Amazon, and I can't remember who said this, but they said when Bob Probert was in the lineup for the Red Wings, it made guys were so afraid of him that it made all the Red Wings braver and seem bigger, faster, stronger because they knew if someone was going to take a run at Steve Eiserman or Sergei Fedorov or one of the many skilled players the Red Wings had in that era, that they were going to have to answer to Bob Probert. The game has changed. It's not like that anymore. But I do think it makes a difference. And while it can't be quantified, having a guy they know that in the right moment, you're going to have to answer for that. And look, I'm not a fan of fighting either. I don't think it does much. But I do think knowing that there's a guy who will get you back with a hit. Or, again, if it's in the right situation, fine, drop the gloves. There's a time and a place, and as long as it's allowed in the game, if you're going to have Dennis Gilbert on the ice, he's going to, he should, when Milan Lucic is taking runs at your best defensive defenseman, he's got to answer for it with a check or with a fist, and he didn't either in that game. One last segment of Talk Back Tuesday to go, and we will begin with yet another wonderful, lovely voicemail. Hey, Jay, Colton here from Des Moines, Iowa. Um, do you think the Hawks front office is considering getting rid of Stan Bowman or Coach Carlton? I think if we had to make a decision out of one or the other, I think it's safe to say Stan has to go, uh, reasons being the resigning of Shaw with many concussions in his career and the risk of him coming back, as well as Dehan's shoulder injury and, of course, having um, uh, surgery on that as well, and he's done for the year. Everyone knows about the Seabrook contract, and now he's done for the year. Um, sending away Yoki Haru for Nylander, which was obviously a horrible trade. Um, Nylander's been a healthy scratch for many games as of late, still finding his game. Um, do we see a stand firing, major trade in Saad, Crow, or any other players at that? Uh, with that being said, or do you see us waiting until the end of the year to make a move in writing this team as it is and seeing if the playoffs or a such thing or not this year? What's your final thoughts? Um, as we are here on January 6th on this roller coaster team. Thank you. Love the podcast. You're doing a phenomenal job. Go Hawks. Colton, thanks a lot for the voicemail. That is the million-dollar question. What will be the fallout of this season if the Blackhawks fail once again to make the playoffs? If this team doesn't make the playoffs, I find it very hard to believe they're going to bring Stan Bowman back. I, I, I You can't. You cannot put him in charge of another offseason. You mentioned it, Colton, in your voicemail. Shaw was a failure. Up to this moment, the Yokoharu trade is a failure. And look, even if Alex Nylander pans out, and let's say he becomes a 50-goal, 50-goal, a 50-point scorer, a consistent like 20-goal, 30-assist guy, if that happens, you still traded Henry Yokoharu your top defensive prospect 
who was still considered by many an elite prospect. For a guy who was clearly arrow pointed down in the organization he was in. You can't tell me. There, I will not believe you that there was no team willing to give the Hawks more than Alex Nylander for Henry Okaharu. And if that was the case, they should not have made the trade. They should have waited, get Yokoharu's value up somehow, either have him kick ass down in Rockford or come and start to play for the Hawks and, and, and have a good start and trade him then. Again, I'm not giving up on Alex Nylander. I think he's got all the tools to be a good player. The tool of his I worry about is between his ears. That, to me, has been his biggest issue all along. But if he can put it together, he's got the pedigree, he's got the skill, he's got the skill set, all the tools are there for him to be a good player. But you dealt from a position of weakness for a position of strength, and you traded a higher prospect for a lower prospect. It hasn't worked out. The Andrew Shaw thing hasn't worked out. Zach Smith, fine. He's been what you wanted him to be, but it's Zach Effin Smith. He's a fourth liner. Ryan Carpenter's been good. That's fine. The Leonard thing has worked out. But you go back and you look at some of the moves he's made over the years here. And again, that Brent Seabrook deal to me was the nail in the coffin. If they don't make the playoffs this year, how do you let Stan Bowman go through another offseason of trying to improve this team and trying to fix his mistakes? I don't think you can. And I said it a few weeks ago. I think if he's fired, the next GM will be Al McIsaac, who's probably just more of the same. He's already in the organization. It would be a natural promotion for him. But if I'm hiring a GM, I'm hiring someone from outside the organization who does not feel the emotion towards the core, the aging core players on this team and who will not have that sort of emotional attachment when considering a deal for them. If they miss the playoffs this year, everything is on the table. And when I say everything, that includes Patrick Kane. It includes Jonathan Taves. If you want the Blackhawks to be the Red Wings, stay on the path you're on because that's what's going to happen. If you want to have a realistic shot at having a next era of good competitive Hawks hockey, maybe not three cups, but a team that's in the conversation more often than not, some really hard decisions are going to have to be made this summer. And I don't know if I want Stan Bowman making those decisions. As for Colin, you said the word roller coaster, Colton, and that, that's what the season has been. But they've won seven of their last ten. Many of those with a very banged up roster. I will say one thing I've liked that Jeremy Cowton has done is he has played the players who deserve to play. He has not shown a blind loyalty to veterans or a blind loyalty to young players that he likes. If a guy hasn't played well, they've sat, be it Brent Seabrook or Alex Nylander. And right now, Dylan Secura and John Quenville are playing better than those guys, and they're in the lineup. That was my number one question with Calton coming into the season. Would he be willing to play better players over veterans? And he's done it. So I totally respect that, and I think he's done a good job. Strategically, X's and O's wise, 
Communication-wise, I think a lot remains to be seen. A lot more should be expected. But have things been better lately for Cowton? Yes. Now, the question becomes, if they don't make the playoffs this season and they fire Bowman, is a GM they bring in going to want to just acquire Jeremy Cowton? Probably not, unless it's our old buddy Al McIsaac. And look, I don't want to say... They shouldn't hire Al McIsaac. I don't, he might be a fine GM. I don't know. But the things that need to happen, I wonder if he'd be able to do those things because of the emotional attachment to the veterans. Next email comes from Tom in Plainfield. He says the Hawks power play has become stagnant. It seems like they just try to get the puck to Kane and, and expect him to make a play. But once 88 gets the puck, the other four stop and watch. Yes, that is pretty accurate. <laughs> he says also who is the Detroit player that every time the announcers say his name all I hear is Ronick yes that was very triggering for me um that it is not Ronick it is Hronick H-R-O-N-E-K Thomas or Philip Hronick of the Red Wings so yeah but it sounded like they were saying on NBC Sports Net Ronick I was like what what Jair's back what oh no it's Philip Hronick so, yeah, not the same guy, but I heard it every single time. Uh, yeah, the power play has become very Patrick Kane dependent. Um, and, you know, it's been better this year. It's been okay. It's not great by any means. Uh, the penalty kill has been good. But the power play, it just kind of seems like they do depend on Patrick Kane. He's out there almost the entire two minutes every time. You know, so it's, I don't know. And I think I've talked about this before on... Um, on the Madhouse podcast for years. I wonder if Patrick Kane is a difficult player to play with sometimes because he is so unpredictable and he is so almost like he's on another level from players. And it, I think it can be difficult to know what to expect. So when he's on the ice, if I was on the ice, I'd want to just be like, all right, I'm going to stand here and have my stick ready to go. Because chances are Patrick Kane's going to find me with a pass, and I, I want to be ready for it. But yeah, the Hawks have the 28th-ranked power play in the National Hockey League, ahead of only Ottawa, New Jersey, and L.A. They're 15.3%. Not great. Not great, obviously. Um, I really like when the second unit gets out there. I, I like what I've seen from them. They keep it simple. I like Doc in front. Um, you know, I, I like that second unit a little bit more. I will say I think Adam Boquist has added a nice element to the power play, and hopefully over some time it'll start to catch on. Got one more email here from Kelly. Kelly, I don't know if you're a male or a female, Kelly, so I'll just say they ask, how do you see Dominic Kubelik fitting into the future of the Blackhawks and if they need to move on that soon? Love the show and all your other podcasts. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Kelly. Um, you know, He's been kind of like a microcosm of the Blackhawks this year where when you're kind of ready to write him off, he gets hot. I like Kubelik's game. I think that he is a uh, guy that has proven he can score. He's second among rookie scorers behind only Olofsson of Buffalo. Um, he can put the puck in the back of the net. And as he's getting more comfortable in the NHL, he's scoring with a little more consistency. I think that they can sign him for a pretty cheap deal, um, you know, $2 million, something like that. And if that, if that guy's going to score you 25 goals, that's a good bargain. I don't think they'd probably get anything long-term done with him, but a two-year deal 
at that money is probably worth it if the production is going to continue. I would maybe wait to get it done. He would only be a restricted free agent after this season, so there's no real rush in getting it done before then because they do have his rights. So there's no benefit to doing it today versus in the summer unless he gets red hot and scores 40 goals, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, right now, he's playing at a $925,000 cap hit. Um, there are some bonuses and things in there, so th- those will come into effect if he reaches those. But I think he'd be a pretty easy guy to resign in the offseason uh, for a year or two. And, yeah, I think they should absolutely consider that. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Talkback Tuesday on Locked On Blackhawks. Hawks play the Calgary Flames tonight. Some longer-form questions, so I didn't have a chance to do a game preview, but we just saw the Flames last week. Expect it to look like that. That's kind of how the game's going to look. Same players and everything. It's crazy. Uh, So hopefully the Hawks can get two points tonight against Calgary, and Wednesday morning we can talk about a win. And remember, on Thursday, we are going to talk to the host of Lockdown Predators about that team, about Peter Laviolette, and if he makes sense for the Blackhawks to consider it head coach. With that, going to wrap things up. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thank you so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great Tuesday. We will talk to you on Wednesday morning for episode 69. Nice.